So today's pet pod is all about our dog walks, the thing that should be the most fun that we have with our dogs and things that we all look forward to. Um, however, it can cause, actually be a real source of stress for a dog and owner. I'm joined today to talk about this with Kazion, our Head of Animal Welfare, and Jem, who is our canine behaviour training advisor. Um, so this is an issue for many, many owners. We all we should be walking we're told that from every we get a dog the first thing you read spot the dog goes for a walk and so this is something that is anticipated that is the thing that we should be doing um but actually sometimes it can be really really stressful can't it Jen? yeah it can be really stressful for a lot of different dogs for a variety of reasons whether it's just that sometimes there's it's busy because of people or other dogs or there's a lot of traffic or there's roadworks it can be for so many different reasons that walks can be stressful and it is important to consider what your other options are, you know, can you train in the garden for a bit? Can you train even inside the house? You know, some dogs just hit the rain, so maybe it's <laughs> you've got to have an alternative. I've got to say, the cocker spaniel that's at our feet, while we're writing it, is a definite one of those examples. If it goes in the rain, it's like, no, mum, I don't want to go out, let's do something else, please. Yeah, some owners hate the rain too. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And it can be really, really stressful for, as you said, both dog and owner. If they don't enjoy it, why are we doing it? There are other options, aren't there, Kaz? There are, um, as Gemma was just saying, there, there are things that you can do in the home. Uh, so there are different training games and enrichment activities that you could do that are just as enjoyable for the dog. Um, it, it's not going to, to do it any harm to stay in the home for a, for a few days and just chill out and de-stress. Yeah. But having said all that, walking is still a big part of dog ownership. It's a thing we set ourselves up for. We're going to have these lovely walks in the countryside, get fit with our dog and all those wonderful things that are our aspiration. And sometimes that reality and that dream doesn't quite come to fruition, either because the big dog in the park bounds up to us or our dog's a little bit nervous and it can be really, really stressful. We get these wonderful midnight walkers uh, where people can't face um, seeing the dogs or facing the issues with the dogs in the park. They don't want to have those confrontations. They don't want that stress. So they start to do really antisocial walking hours in the, in the or really odd routes to try and uh, mitigate and try and avoid those situations they might see. Because dogs have quite a distinctive greeting behaviour, don't they, Kaz? Um, they do. Um, I mean, in general, if it's a nice, calm situation, that they're going to come up and... and greet each other, um, have a little sniff, go around the back end, have another sniff, um, and sort of work out amongst themselves whether they're on the safe wavelength, whether they're going to play, <laughs> whether they're just going to disengage and go their separate ways. Um, and, and generally, when that happens, it's quite nice and, and there's no issues. It's when there is a, a miscommunication or they're definitely not on the same wavelength that you're going to get issues um, between the two dogs. Absolutely. It's really important that not every dog wants to play. I mean, it's like every human. I I, I have times when I want to play and talk to people. There are times when I actually just want to go and sit in the, in the chair. And I'm sure we're all the same. And so there are times you want to communicate, times you don't want to communicate. And it's important um, that we think about what our dog wants at that moment. And actually, probably the owner is the most important part of that, aren't they, Jen? Absolutely, yeah. At the end of the day, you're responsible for your dog. You are the advocate for your dog and for their needs. So my girl's pretty social, but she's not social with everyone and everything. <laughs> so it's one thing when someone's saying, oh, my dog's friendly, which but I know that's not necessarily going to like that specific dog. She doesn't really like full-on boisterous dogs. So while she might be a friendly, sociable dog and I can take her places that are popular, I know that it's not going to go well in that circumstance. And so I will ask, 
can you just pop it on a leash, please? And some people actually really struggle with that because they do think their dogs want to play and be friendly. And, they are, and I can understand that because it, it's something that we, we really want our dogs to play. It's what, what we want, our, the aspiration, as I said earlier, that we want our dogs to be. But actually, as you said, it's not actually a slight against your dog. It's actually just making sure that both dogs have an enjoyable walk. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, it's okay to look for play, but you're looking for that play to be appropriate and appropriate to both dogs. Um, uh, and I have said uh, on occasion to a couple of owners when I've been out and about, you know, if you were in the bar having a drink and, and I ran up to everybody in the bar hugging them and jumping on the back and going, hey, great to see you. You mean you don't? If, uh, <laughs> could be why I've been barred. From <laughs> but you would soon be banned uh, and you yeah. wouldn't be very popular. And it's the same with, with dogs that, as, as Jem says, her, her dog doesn't like every dog. Uh, doesn't like them up in the face. I've got a dog that's just the same. Mm. Um, it, it's just allowing them to greet each other appropriately um, with the right energy and understanding that it isn't for every dog and it's fine for it not to be for every dog. Absolutely. And, what, and we get a lot of calls about this subject, don't we, Gem? You see a lot in your, de- in your daily life. What do you see? What sort of cases do you see? Quite often it's that, oh, my dog was fine and they were doing so well and they were great and then they had a bad interaction with one dog and now it's just kind of grown from there and when they see other dogs they're now anxious and they're a bit worried and it can lead to from the smallest thing of just barking or being a bit more hesitant to full on lunging, growling, snarling and leading people down the path of turning into midnight walkers because they started off with a nice fluffy puppy and now they have a rather large barking lunging snarling one. <laughs> and, but that doesn't mean that dog is like that in every situation, it's just this situation it can't cope with. Um, or it doesn't want that interaction and the way that it's learned to say please go away has had to escalate because it hasn't been able to escape before. And it works. And it works. <laughs> People go away. <laughs> that goes back to your bar analogy. It works, doesn't it? Um, and it's kind of the responsibility of both handlers on each end of the leash, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember walking through one of the forests nearby uh, with one of my old boys who was really, again, a little bit grumpy, didn't really like interaction, didn't like dogs in his face. And this gorgeous, gorgeous young black lab bounded up to us. And as you said, the ladies go, oh, is any friendly just wants to play? And my husband had walked off with the dog that didn't like it about, must be about 10 metres off the path. And yet the dog followed and it wasn't called back. And obviously, it, fortunately, it didn't escalate into a situation. But actually, what would have been really helpful and really sort of less stressful and actually put less danger would be for both owners to go, actually, OK, that person's put that dog on the lead. That person's walked over there. Actually, maybe this is the situation I need to either put my dog on the lead or make sure my dog is right next to me. Um, and so we don't have that risk. It's, a, it's just about, um, I think, being aware of what's going on when you're on a walk, um, being respectful of other people and, and, and their walk. If you <laughs> And I think actually that's a really valid point, isn't it? Because the de- trappings of everyday life just come into everything and for me, I, lo- I love my dog walks. It's a time I get to listen to the birds, try and pray that I see a squirrel, though my dogs tend to um, stop that actually happening. I, th- I think they know that my dogs are within a sort of 20 metre zone, 20 miles zone. So it's like, no, we're just going to go and deal with our own lives over here. Um, but actually, it is very easy to let modern technology come into our lives and take over our walks. And we do see a lot of issues where people are kind of glued to their phones rather than watching their dogs. And this can cause some of the problems, can't it, guys? It can. Um, yeah, my favourite topic, as you know, <laughs> of, the, of the, uh, the phone zombie uh, out and about. Uh, it, it is, as I said before, it is a bit uh, being aware. How, how can you um, 
really advocate for your dog on a walk in that you're looking out for potential uh, issues if you're nose deep in, in the mm. social media on your phone um, and, and you're really not aware of what's going on. And, and a walk should be a, a really great opportunity for you to do things with your dog and, and, and have that time to, to bond and enjoy the environment and play games and, and train. Absolutely, and we are great advocates for games. And I can encourage you every walk, all three of us will be playing games at some point with our dogs. I mean, when you get recall, you're going to be playing all sorts of games. You want that dog to be with you. You want that proximity and that excitement. But, Jen, if you've got this, you've got a situation with the best one in the world, you are probably going to come across with a situation where you're going to need to try and avoid it. What sort of strategies, if you've got a dog owner, that is now is we'll say walking through the park and coming up to you and you can see this dog approaching in the distance and you're thinking oh this is not going to end well can you try and take some steps to mitigate the problem absolutely yeah you kind of just go into damage control mode really because <laughs> it can be a bad repercussion not only for your dog but for theirs as well if your dog has a bad reaction to them their dog might feed off it and then develop those problems but absolutely yeah so main priority like you said with when you stepped off out the way making it clear that you are trying your best to remove yourself from that situation and basically make sure your voice is loud enough when you yell please put it on a lead because <laughs> the person might just not understand or might not have noticed or might have just not appreciate that your dog needs that but you are at the end of the day the advocate for your dog and i'm sure the person the person will get over you yelling at them please put it on a lead or saying it firmly, saying it firmly. Yes. Loudly and politely. <laughs> Please be polite. Don't Please you? put it on the lead. But it's about because sometimes, yeah. especially if you've got a really reactive dog or a dog that's not dog social at all, it can be a safety requirement for yeah. you to be the advocate loudly for your dog to say, "Put it on a lead," because it's, that dog could potentially be harmed. So it's not fair. Yeah, and no one wants to see their beloved pet in a vet who's injured in that situation. But you can also do some training games, can't you, to try and prepare your dog um, for those situations and perhaps uh, avoid so maybe a head-on situation. What sort of games could you put in place? There's a few different things you can do. There's a couple of simple ones you can do which are involving, you know, food re like food reinforcement times. And we often use our scatter feeding method quite a lot here where we'll scatter some food in the floor and occupy our, occupy our dog with a find it game, finding their treats in the floor while that dog goes past. Because if we took ourselves off across enough and we've shouted out and they've moved their dog away, it can still doesn't mean our dog's going to suddenly magically be non-reactive just because they called it back. Yeah, it just reduces that risk. It's a good distraction, it's, isn't it? It's yeah. a good sort of interrupter of that. I'm going to have that head on. Yeah, and it's yeah. not just like one tree. Okay, I can go back to barking at it now. It's <laughs> literally a task to occupy them, and it's a scent task which stimulates a lot of natural calming behaviours for them. Yeah, it's, it's really, really useful. And we also have a strategy called DMT, don't we, which is really quite useful in some situations. Yeah, DMT is when you've seen your distraction and you're marking your dog before they even have that chance to react. Because once your dog starts reacting, it's, it's kind of a bit of just a damage. It's a bit late, really, isn't it? Yeah, you're a bit late. <laughs> but if we can get it before that, and you can mark them for non-reacting, like, good job that you didn't react, here's your treat, and you can reinforce, and then you can occupy your, keep focus on yeah, you. keep your focus and occupy your other strategies. But you can do that initial. I know you've seen it. That was a great job that you've seen it and not mm. reacted. And then you can build duration on it. Absolutely, it's such an interesting topic. This one because we it will happen to you. It's potential to happen to you, whoever you are. Either you are the owner of the world's friendliest dog, and you've got to have some interactions with dogs that you don't necessarily want. So you have that element there, or you're the person who has the dog that does the surprising, um, or has the the less 
great reaction to other dogs and you've got to deal with that. It's the sort of thing that can happen to any dog owner. And actually, even if you think you've got the bomb-proof dog, you may not. I mean, dogs do throw in surprises. But you just never know what might happen. And I think we were chatting about it the other day. Yeah. I always uh, used to tell um, any owners that I, I was involved with uh, training classes with to look at your dog as, as a toddler. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a toddler forever, two or three years old. And think about how you would deal if it, if it was a, a human toddler when you're out and about. It can be the most lovely, well-behaved toddler in the world, but you still would not allow it to go running up to complete strangers um, <laughs> or sort of charging around outside of your field of view um, because they don't have the coping skills to stay safe 100% of the time. Yeah. And as a parent, that's your job to help them. And it's the same with the dog. Um, and I think if you just apply that same strategy, that will help um, mitigate against a lot of the issues that we're seeing. Absolutely. And one of the top tips we'd say for anyone, because off-lead play is such a joy. I and mean, it's the aspiration for, again, every dog yeah. owner on a, on, a, on a walk. And that's obviously what we love doing. But it's really important if you're going to go off-lead that you have a recall. Yeah. So how, how do people, what should people be looking for? And how can be, should people be starting at the home? Absolutely, yeah. Start it in nice, calm, quiet environments so that your dog starts to really build a behaviour and have a solid behaviour. And then you can add in distraction. It's kind of like if we do basic maths, we're all going, okay, at desks with pens and paper, but if we were running a marathon trying to do maths at the same time, it's very difficult. <laughs> I was going to say, I might dispute the pens and paper yeah. bit at a desk. <laughs> 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 I always feel very sorry, because Matthew's obviously a fabulous subject for so many people, but yeah, it's, 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 it's something that we all need to improve on here. Um, but yeah, it's a case of finding the right, Thing for that dog and finding the right solution for that dog it's probably quite environmental as well so i know instantly my recall is less quality when there is things like pheasants around mm. having gun dog type breeds it's not as solid when it's in that area which means that am i likely to have her more on lead mm. so i'd be more prepared when people come but also i know that if somebody's there i know my recall's not as strong so i need to start using it earlier to get a back because i've seen another dog coming Especially if it's the type that I know she doesn't like. It's also can be reactions to novelty, can't it? As well, it's not even other dogs. It can be something that's completely new. Um, to I had a call the other day from somebody who whose dog was barking at a scarecrow, and was really terrified of this scarecrow, and was then becoming a bit of a problem. The lead starting to rag the lead, and becoming a problem to the owner. And actually, it's something that you need need to be prepared for. And actually, the technique you used earlier, scatter feeding, or just doing that distraction, can be a really useful tool in those situations. Do you see those quite a bit, Gem? Yeah, absolutely. It can be the fact that we get quite used to our normal routes and our normal walks and we know what to expect and where to expect it. And everybody will soon realise that when you turn a certain corner that your dog knows you're about 500 yards from home. <laughs> <laughs> they know that, but it's the same that they also know where... So my sister's dog hits a big white dog on the estate and he knows where that white dog yeah. lives. He knows it. So that means that we did a lot of the scatter feeding around those types of areas so he could be calm around that area to reduce that build-up of, oh God, I know it's coming. And that, so that reaction to novelty of if that dog does come out is a lot less already. And so, and to that to that effect where you know that there's a, these predictions happening, is there an argument for mixing up the walks a little bit? Absolutely. Even if you're just doing the same route backwards rather than <laughs> yeah. your normal direction, yeah. it's completely different for your dog just to just change the direction or maybe go one half and then do the same back half again and just cross over the side of the road. It's so much easier just to mix up your walk a little bit and it completely changes the amount of 
stimuli that your dog's exposed to. And thinking of stimuli, obviously, the amount of stimuli, every stimulus your dog experiences will raise their arousal level. And we want to make sure that we can sort of keep that really, they can manage that effectively. And so using emotional regulation is, or, or tools to be able to do that, is really, really important. And one of the things that we, we advocate here are the sniffaries. Um, so what is a sniffari? It's a, a, a walk with your dog and giving it every opportunity to sniff and send out different things on your walk. So you might be dropping treats, you might be hiding them in and around um, like in the undergrowth and, and things like that. You might hide a toy somewhere. Um, and it's really, yeah, just occupy the nose. As Gemma said before, um, allowing the dog to, to use its nose is really calming for the dog. And of course, then it's taking its focus away from everything that's else that's going on. So it's not being distracted and it's not getting um, reactive to things in the environment because it's concentrating on sniffing everything while you're out and about. Absolutely. Anything you would like to add to that one, Jim, in terms of... No, I think they're really good. They're extremely powerful because they give your dog a choice as well. It's not, this is the route we're taking, this is where we're going. You will follow me around this way. We have 10 minutes to get around this block. <laughs> it's just yeah. 10 minutes of your dog going out and sniffing and embracing the environment yeah. and just having the choice of actually I didn't really need to walk I'm mean, happy sniffing and if they want to walk you walk with them let yeah. them dictate the pace for that 10 minutes I think with my my older dog um that it's such a, a key thing for her because she can't go on an extended walk mm. anymore you know she is getting old and arthritic and she would be happy just going in a, a sort of six by six area and having a sniff around and for her, that is just as rewarding as going for a long walk down the beach mm. and chasing after a ball. So, yeah, for her, you know, we can go on much shorter walks, but dictated at her pace. So she just gets to, to sniff at everything um, as we go. And as you said, the environment as well can be really, really change that arousal level and the enrichment for that dog. Um, I've got a, a sight hound, who, bless her, who is quite nervy generally. And whenever I take her to the beach, this is this really vast space and she's just completely overwhelmed and it's something that's a real problem for her so it's with some training we're having to work on dealing with that large open space um but that would not be a good place to try and do some of these training exercises with novelty would it in terms of meeting new dogs no she's already quite overwhelmed she's already quite stressed <laughs> and then we're trying to check in yeah now think and focus and pay attention and play this activity with me it can be an added extra that's why it's so important just to start at home nice and calmly and build it up from there. Yeah, and I think that really works for all of our, what we're saying today is if you have a dog who is reactive or, or, or nervous, really think about where you're walking. Think about changing your routes up. Think about if the walk is the right thing for that dog at this time. Um, I was going to say, even, even if you have gone out on the walk, if something happens hmm? that is uh, causing your dog to have a bit of a meltdown, it could be it's been reacting to another dog or uh, cyclists or traffic, don't feel that you have to push on because well i'm taking my dog for a yeah. walk and i must go it's perfectly fine to turn around go home and let the dog calm down and then just play some games in the home and don't go for a walk for a couple of days absolutely so to have the stress-free walk wouldn't that be amazing a, a stress-free walk and it, it is possible it really is possible we all around the table have had some really wonderful walks with our dogs it doesn't mean it's going to happen every time and uh, there are situations you cannot account for but you have the strategies in place to try and deal with them when they arrive arise but what would you say your top three tips Gem, are for a stress-free walk be a very loud advocate for your dog <laughs> <laughs> pick your location pick locations that work for you and your dog and your dog's stress level at that time 
and just make sure that it's a rewarding and enjoyable experience for you and them. If you're going out and you're already panicking and stressed about it, you know, set off on the right foot. If you're already stressed about it, maybe think actually, let's see if we both both of us can calm down before we go off because they do feed what's off, off what's on the other end of that lead. So it's important that you're ready for it and they're ready for it. Excellent. Thank you very much. And on this. Uh, at the moment, actually, we are developing or redoing our Take the Lead campaign because we are really, really, we think this is vital. Uh, we, we see so many issues with farming and wildlife generally. Uh, we know in Cumbria there's an issue with um, some dogs jumping into breeding pools and nest jack toads, which is causing some population issues, as well as with breeding dogs and as well with the well-documented sheep issues and livestock issues. Um, so... What would be our advice really in those situations, Kaz? Put your dog on a leash. Exactly, I think it's a simple one, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I think that there, there is no shame in, in putting your dog on a leash. I, I do think sometimes people are um, perhaps rightly confident in their dog's mm. recall or, or their dog's ability to, to stick close to them when they're out and about on a walk. But as we're saying, you, you never really know. Anything mm. can happen. And so if you're in any of those areas where there is a potential for harm either to the dog or to uh, livestock or wildlife, there is no shame in putting your dog on the lead and practice the right thing to do. And not, we don't always know, I think we need to keep, be aware of that, is we don't always know what is lurking in that pond. Um, is it yeah. a, breeding, a breeding pond? Probably an area, blue-green algae as well, which is the because, well, yeah. And we've seen a few of those, those issues with the lakes recently as well. Um, and it's something just we need to be yeah, really careful of and ethical. So we, I think there's a different and separate podcast all about Take the Lead. I hope you get some really good guests in to try and take that forward. So hopefully you'll be able to get some really great tips about stress-free walks and always feel free to contact our team at Oaktree Animals Charity or visit our website, www.oaktreeanimals.org.uk. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care.